FM friends, Shaheen, Wuba and Luca P here from the DGen Aussie Apes, bringing you another weekly session on all things crypto and NFTs. Let's go. It's the money. What up, what up fellas? How are we? Doing well. How are you boys going? Good, Mr. Weber, how Good. are we? So, Luca, we've got a special guest in today. we got Mr. John, used to roll in the NFT Sydney crew. He's yeah. come in for a bit of a chat. I'm, I don't know about you, man, but I'm pretty excited for this one too. Yes, I can't wait for this. We're going to be talking about where his crypto journey began. I believe you're a veteran from 2017. Yeah, I've been in the trenches, you know, been uh, in crypto since 2017, I've worked in the industry, I've worked in finance, um, worked in venture capital too in crypto. Uh, and yeah, I was kind of community manager for NFT Sydney. So really helped kind of build the socials and do stuff like that leading up to the event. It's just been such a journey. I feel like I've learned so much and the time's really flied in these past five years. So you obviously just didn't fall into crypto. What were you doing before? How'd you find it? You know, take us from the very start. Yeah, 100%. So I guess to the very start was, uh, even as a kid, I just loved money for some reason. And <laughs> don't just, we all? <laughs> <laughs> I just had like an art, like I was just trying to make as much money as I could, like as a teenager, you know, just doing all these like kind of business ventures at school too. Like, you know, I didn't even have a solid understanding of business. Like I found a box of pens at home. They could light up. They had like LED lights, took them to school and was selling them to two, for two bucks each the next day, you know, like <laughs> any opportunity I could get to make a bit of cash and get some coins to spend at the canteen. That's what I was doing. So uh, yeah, helping out with the family business too, getting some yeah. serious cash from that, which was really awesome. Like all my boys, they went to schoolies. They did things like straight away. I just got stuck straight into work when I finished high school. You said family business. Are we allowed to know what this was? Like uh, how did, did yeah, this tie in or? Not really. So just um, doing a bit of graphic design for my dad. He does yeah. like kitchens, bathrooms, all that kind of cool. stuff. So I was doing like the design plans, you know, yeah. making, making some money, help, helping out with the clients, visualize like the kitchens and stuff that he's going to create. Uh, so it was really cool because other some of my other mates were working at Macca's and working these other jobs. I was helping out with the family business. That's really cool, man. Because not only you making money, you got the appreciation for what a dollar is working as well. Mm. That's sick. 100%. So study at uni, first yeah, job. So, Where do we go from there? So while I was doing that, um, kind of did well with my HSC, got into business and mm-hmm. was going down the finance path. And just from what my dad told me, he told me, you know what, finance and investment banking those guys have got the real money. You know, he installs kitchens for people. He sees what they do. And he just, everyone in finance just had really nice houses, lived in these nice suburbs. And uh, yeah, kind of fell into finance. And, um, you know, one thing happened. Another, I actually got some really good work experience in finance too. Um, So I was working with a team of people. These guys were nuts. They were managing $20 billion of people's investments. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm just some like dumb 19-year-old kid. And these guys are (laughs) million-dollar salaries, analyzing all these companies. Was it overwhelming when you... Oh, at the time, I had huge imposter syndrome. I'm like, man, how the hell? Yeah, because it's like, you know, I'm just some dumb kid, you know? Like, I haven't even done my degree yet. I was saying stuff, there were these meetings. But that's when I really developed a deep appreciation for... uh, yeah, for the markets. Got thrown in the deep end kind of yeah, thing. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, I, learned so, I learned so much from that. And basically, when after I'd done that internship, I was like, yes, financial markets is where I want to go. Um, at the same time, though, I'd made a lot of money from crypto because crypto bull market had picked up at the end of 2017 and I'd made a shit ton of money. So it was kind of like, you know what? Do I drop out from my degree and just start trading crypto and start doing these opportunities full time? Or do I career, consider a career in finance and climb the ladder and just keep buying crypto and doing that? So, Wait, so let's 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 just 
back Stop up for a second. For one, yeah, because <laughs> you dropped in this little, like, it's nothing. Yeah, I was in on the bull run in 2017 <laughs> and made money, <laughs> you know. So you were, how old when you started trading crypto? I was 18. 18. Were you trading or investing? A uh, bit of both. So I considered uh, my first story of how I actually bought my first Bitcoin was I was in an accounting lecture, bought out of my mind, uh, and I'd heard about crypto. Someone in that class had actually mentioned it, like mentioned it before, and my e kind of like caught wind of like Bitcoin. And this was 2017. This was around August 2017. Oh wow! So uh, Bitcoin um, was probably maybe five or six grand Australian. Okay. Yeah. So pretty cheap. Um, and it was just something on my to-do list, and I felt like you know my life, a few things weren't going that well. Um, just personal things, you know what I mean? Like I just yeah. felt a bit busy and overwhelmed with uni. And even that semester in uni, I didn't do too well in too many of my subjects. But crypto was just one thing on my to-do list. I didn't really have a to-do list, but I wanted to check it out and follow and see what was happening. Uh, so I just decided in that lecture, I was listening, zoning out. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Took out my ID. I signed up for Coinbase right there and then chucked 500 bucks in Bitcoin. I'm like, done. Made nice. a start. Because um, I traded like shares before, you know, Acorns, how you have that like investing. I think Yeah, 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 yeah. The little you spend. It, and it, it just goes to it. show how much I need education. Everyone that initially jumps into Bitcoin, it's for speculation. They just oh, want to make money. 100%. Yeah. And then when you really start to understand what it's about, proof of work consensus and how there, there is no other blockchain like it. Mm. Oh, like man. Bitcoin at the moment. So it's like, and there will never, ever be. And it's like, oh, okay, this makes like just the miners behind it. The, like I've seen they had on the news... Um, on Fox News with Texas uh, riot mining. They have a massive factory in Texas and now they're talking about because it's such a volatile energy grid in Texas, mm. they're saying that they can adjust uh, the mining so that they can take supply out and put supply um, like... So they're going to mine at certain peak times and not peak times and control yeah, they the... Can, they control, yeah. they kind of regulate it. So it's really, really good for the energy grid. You can't do that with a power plant. Mm. So that's just another way of... Um, that's it. You know, it's just so many <laughs> things happening. And plus that, how about the crypto bill just quickly? Oh, on don't even get me started. See, at the, time <laughs> I didn't know, at the time I didn't know any of this. And now I'm like doing my Dude. own kind of DeFi trading, like full time, checking see, Twitter every this day. This is how everyone falls yeah. into it, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we were having a laugh. I fell into NFTs from NBA Topshop. Yes. And that came from just Gary V mentioned NFTs. And all I knew is if I don't jump in this now, yep. I don't have to know shit all about it. But if I don't jump in this yep. now, it's going to be one of those things in 10 years, I'll kick myself. Yep. And that's the same with like you when we jumped into crypto. bro. We were sitting in a mate's garage. We were all yep. hanging out and one bloke says we should buy this. And for a laugh, we all chucked in two, three grand. And this was way back when. And I think pretty much everyone starts with that same sort yeah. of story. Eh? I mean, they're talking about crypto regulation now, but like... In 2017, how much more different was it to say today? Like, oh, it was, it was insane. You jump on, you do what you want, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, so like I signed up, I took a photo of my ID, signed up for Coinbase, threw some money in, uh, and then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, I was checking the price here and there. It wasn't a lot of money, but then uh, China announced that they had banned Bitcoin, and at mm. the time, I thought that was the end of the world. Bitcoin tanked like 40% in one month, which even by current market standards was a huge, huge. drop. Uh, the JP Morgan CEO actually would later go on to work for JP Morgan, which was kind of the enemy. But um, yeah, JP Morgan CEO said, oh, it's a scam, it's going to zero. So this was right around the time they started passing it off as just a Ponzi scheme, that's it, don't 100%. invest. It won't, be, it won't be around in six months. He ended up investing thought, into yeah. it. Yeah, he ended up, Bitcoin, yeah, yeah, like now they offer yeah. it for their clients. But at the time I thought, well, that was the bull run. Thank you yeah. very much. Like it's crashed, see you later, see you next, you know, whenever it picked up because started the year at like one grand US and it got to maybe a peak of five or six grand. I can't even remember what it was. Trying to play it back in my head. 
Um, but I thought that was over for crypto. I'm like, Tell me this is the point where you bought even more. Oh, 100%. Right. <laughs> there we so go. There's the conviction. <laughs> I so. didn't just double down. Like, I thought, you know what? Now's a good opportunity. It's come back. Now I can actually maybe buy a full Bitcoin. Mm. And there's this one called Ethereum. It's at 200 bucks. Like, even now, that's a good opportunity. But I'm like, yeah. yeah. Ethereum, I've heard about that. That's Vitalik Buterin. And I started looking into it. I bought some Litecoin right before well, this whole Charlie Lee. I don't know if you boys yeah. know about the yes. Charlie Lee situation. Yeah. Um, bought some Ripple at like 30 cents. I got all these like really amazing altcoins. One of my mates got me set up on CoinSpot. So I was buying all these altcoins through there. So it just kind of led to this rabbit hole and it just got even better than I thought it would. So when everything popped up, I bought Dogecoin. I got into all these obscure <laughs> alts because uh, Coinbase at the time only offered three crypto. Bitcoin, yeah. Ethereum, and Litecoin. Uh, I remember when they listed Bitcoin Cash, it went on this crazy pump because it's like, oh, everyone's. Got I Coinbase. remember Bitcoin Cash. Shit, I haven't heard that in so long. Yeah. What and they try to do with that? They try to enlarge the block size, allow more. Yeah. So that was that. Was, that fork happened, I think, in August in 2017, um, and it didn't really get that much attention. But they tried to fork Bitcoin, and it was a yeah. successful fork. Uh, and basically, everyone who had Bitcoin also now had Bitcoin Cash. Mm. Um, and it was a separate block with a larger block size so it could allow for cheaper transactions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember that was part of the reason what got me into crypto as well because I kept seeing crypto in the headlines. I kept seeing crypto crashes. I kept seeing yeah. Bitcoin forks and just all this news and stuff coming out. So it was your inner DJ. Yeah, it was my out. inner DJ. It was like calling <laughs> out to me. Um, so, yeah, just kind of things went crazy by the end of the year. Uh, altcoins had an insanely good run. Like I remember selling some Litecoin uh, and then it had basically doubled or tripled in the peaks in December. So portfolio was fluctuating like crazy. Uh, Coinspot had these insane fees. It was like 3% sell yep. fees. So it was just insane. I was even doing a bit of arbitrage. So like buying on one exchange on Coinbase, buying like two grand worth of Bitcoin, sending it to Coinspot and selling it for two and a half grand. Uh, so Coinbase had even had its own like monthly limit and you couldn't, couldn't actually arbitrage and make that much money because Coinbase had like two grand a week like weekly limit on terms mm -hmm. of how what you could do. So I was trying to contact some mates to get some exchanges set up. It was just a crazy time. And yeah, my parents, they actually told me, don't invest in anything without a permission. It's really risky. You've worked hard for your money. Don't, you're going to gamble. You're going to lose it all. They still don't understand what crypto is. Uh, even if I, even for the life of them, you know, if I tried to explain it to them, it just wouldn't click because they're from that different generation. Um, my mom actually broke down into tears when I told her I made money in crypto. I thought she'd be overwhelming, <laughs> like, hey, I made this money, like, you know, it's all good. But she was like, why did you go behind our backs? You betrayed us. Like, she was really, like, torn. <laughs> that's that old school vlog thing. She told right. me, like, sell everything right now. Like, that's literally what she told me. Yeah, you tell like, about mum. I'm up 10x. Why yeah, would I sell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I did have a little bit of resentment for my parents at the time, kind of listening to Clement's podcast from last week, too. I think he, uh, you know, his parents were very critical and skeptical about what he did, and it's that old school mentality. Uh, but if had I held on for one day, I would have made an extra 30 grand in that bull market. And as an 18 year old- you actually listened and sold. I didn't sell it right away because um, my portfolio was down. I waited for another green day and then like sold it. But basically the next day I sold it, not that same night. Um, and had I, had I held on for another day, I actually called my dad the next day and said, hey- You cost would, me 30 grand. <laughs> well, you know, everything went to shit from there. Litecoin was at like 300 bucks at the time. And I think it went as low as like 30 bucks in the bear market. So- there was some knowledge. It was like peak mania at the time. Yeah. Uh, but it was just crazy at the time. I even get in. I even set up my own MetaMask wallet, and or actually not MetaMask. It was called um, something different back then, right? 
No, MetaMask was around. I, I had one set up, but I think I used another wallet provider, but actually got my own private key. I deposited some money and I interacted with like my first decentralized exchange called EtherDelta. So I was buying into tokens back then and I put four ETH in at the time, which was only a couple grand. It really wasn't much. And I turned that into 20 ETH in the span of like a few a few weeks. Like it just went on this crazy projection. Something I bought for 10 cents was trading at like $1.50 or something ridiculous. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I actually held on to that this entire time. Project's rugged. Everything about it has dissolved. Um, and I lost basically 100% of my capital. So I lost that original ETH that I put in because I thought, oh, it's going to make a comeback. Oh, it's down. I'm not even going to sell. So watching that slowly lose like 100% of its value, now it's like 0. 0.0001, whatever, got delisted from all these exchanges. So Was that 2017? It was 2018. 2018. Like 2018 ICO rush because... Originally, it was Bitcoin, which went on the crazy run. It went from one grand at the start of the year to about 20K at the end of the year. Um, then Bitcoin came down, but then ETH went on its run and everyone was launching an ICO and just crazy stuff. Like some guy launched an ICO uh, and then, you know, people thought it was going to launch and then he just he made like 60 grand or something like that. And then you just, if you went to the website to check and see what the ICO was at, it. Just the word penis was there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like there I think rug- that's the ultimate rug. This right? is the problem yeah, with right? decentralization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So a lot of people just sending and throwing ETH at just stupid stuff. Uh, Alts got smashed and big, even Bitcoin got smashed. Like I said, started the year at 20 grand, went as low as like three and a half grand US. Jeez. So it just got absolutely smashed. Uh, and it was tough holding that time as well because, you know, people were saying the Bitcoin ETF was on the horizon. Uh, you had... Um, also, ETH 2.0, people were talking about that and saying, oh, yeah, ETH transactions are really expensive, but ETH 2.0 is going to come out and it's going to fix that. Talking that about it delayed. in 2018. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the funny so, thing is, we were saying earlier how the merge doesn't even reduce gas fees. Like, really? Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that came out about it today. It won't be reducing gas fees. Yeah. It's just it's, changing the consensus. Yeah, changing the consensus for uh, proof of work to proof of stake. Before we get yeah. any further, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you're obviously still in the market like us right now, probably mm-hmm. even more so heavily in it. To people starting now, mm-hmm. and I know it's a bit different to when you started giving the market back then, but yeah. having gone through it, for all our listeners now who are just starting to get into it, mm. what would you have done differently in those early years? What would you have looked out for? What mm. things would be the same? Just just a bit of advice for people starting like you did before nice. we go into the next part. 100%. So obviously not financial advice disclaimer. Yeah, do um, your own research. Do first. your own research. I'm not liable for any of your wins or losses. Um, no, no, we're liable for the wins. <laughs> <They are. laughs> um, but basically, new people getting started in the space, um, I would suggest looking into Bitcoin and Ethereum because in a bull market, yeah, you're going to have these obscure altcoins which are going to shoot up a 1,000%, but they're mm-hmm. also going to tank 99 or even 100%. Like I said, I was getting in on these really obscure small cap cryptocurrencies which just don't exist in this bull market and everything went up except for a lot of those 2018 like ICO tokens. A lot of them got smashed with legal problems. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them, the developers just straight up just rugged them and just moved on to other stuff. So check out Bitcoin first. Like I still think Bitcoin it should be one of the first cryptocurrencies that people invest in and, you know, mm-hmm. investigate for themselves. Use a Bitcoin wallet, set one up, send a transaction, see what the experience is like, the experience is like and then check out ETH and then check out all these, you know, alternate L1s and these other currencies but play around with like Bitcoin and ETH, use some dApps too. So actually make a swap on Uniswap and just experiment and play around and don't put serious money in to begin with, like maybe a hundred bucks or so in, in an ETH wallet and use Uniswap, yeah. see what it's like. Yeah. Get a taste yeah. of everything before you decide to fully commit and invest. So just throw a little bit of money in, play around with it. 
Uh, so that way, if, say you forget your MetaMask wallet, you haven't lost you know dozens of ETH, which could be worth a lot mm, of money in the future. Seed phrases. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's important to note as well. You got to try and stay in the blue chips, whether it's cryptocurrency or like I know, obviously not now um, the market that we're in now. But for example, if we're in a bull market or you know, in game fi or metaverse, you want to stay in those blue chips. They're the ones that really hold the value yeah. the most. Hundred percent. And holding Bitcoin and ETH, like Bitcoin's become known as like the boring currency. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people know they're not going to make a ten x on Bitcoin. Like investing in gold or silver. Pretty much. Like Bitcoin is like Digital become gold. the boomer coin. Mm. And uh, well, I don't hold any Bitcoin myself. I think it's still important to have. I think as we all started portfolio. with it, though, right? Yeah, everyone started with Bitcoin. Uh, that's what that's what perked our ears up, and that's what got us involved in pe- the space. People forget how important Bitcoin is. You look at any trader, and look, we were watching this the other night. Everyone watches Bitcoin to see what the oh, rest of the course. market's going to do. So, if you don't have a fundamental understanding of Bitcoin, it's going to be quite yeah, exactly. hard. Exactly. So, but, so when you started, you mm-hmm. started, you caught a bull, and then it went into a pretty severe bear. Yeah. Right. Which is what we're all going through now. Mm-hmm. So oh, 10 times worse. Bit of advice for the guys, the <laughs> yeah. guys who all jumped on on the hype towards the end of last year. Mm. And now this is their first bull run, now bear yep. and pretty severe bear. What what would you be telling people out there? There were days, uh, so re- for example, there was March 2020. It was probably my worst, the worst day of my life at the time because I was working a job and I snuck out and just everything was getting smashed. So Bitcoin... You know, and this was after Bitcoin had been trading at like four or five grand US just for weeks and it just really wasn't moving. So when they announced the lockdowns, wasn't it? Oh, pretty much, lockdowns, yeah. Like every, March. You've got to understand every market was getting smashed. Share markets were getting smashed. Currency markets were super volatile. But for crypto as well, to get absolutely hammered in one day, it was just insane. Like Bitcoin was down 30%. Uh, Binance coin was down 50% in one day. Like pretty much every single alt was any, down anywhere from 30% to 50% in one day. So just a brutal bloodshed. But we had been conditioned to so much pain because Bitcoin was struggling to break 6K. So it might, Bitcoin's at 3, 4K, might shoot up to 6K. Is it going to go any higher? Uh, uh, no. Nah. Back down to <laughs> yeah. like 3.5K. Were you trading there. during that time in the bear market or you were just... Um by trading, checking my portfolio and just losing value every yeah. time. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was still following the markets. I was still on the forums and Reddit and waiting for some good news. And it just never came around. So I think even with this E2.0 stuff, I'm not convinced with the merge that that just got pushed back endlessly. Like they kept pushing that back and, oh, Bitcoin ETF is around the corner. And people were saying, like, I had even mates like, oh, if ETF comes out, then Bitcoin's going to 50K US in 2018. It's going to 10K. You know, like... People just had these price predictions. And even in this bull market, ETH never hit 10K. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, it's really funny now. You've got this whole thing where people are like, oh, can Bitcoin still hit 200K? You know, we might get a green candle and everyone turns super bu- super bullish. And then, you know, the market might crash or correct and everyone's like, nah, Bitcoin's going to 10K. ETH is going to 500 bucks. It's over. So you have these really volatile swings. What I think might end up happening, and my advice for people, is the market can stay... I- irrational longer than you can stay liquid so a lot I've of things, heard that before too yeah. that's a very good thing to keep in mind 100% so I think what could happen is we could just have the year Bitcoin could end the year at like 30k and it's just been sideways choppy action might have a little bit of a run-up might have a bit of a crash but what's going to happen is a lot of these alts are going to bleed and that money is going to flow back into Bitcoin the stables yeah everyone's going to go back to what they know will work Hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think DeFi's changed the game a little bit. So people are still going to deposit money, maybe earn some interest. Uh, so money's not really going to leave the system as much as it left in like twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Like people might just switch to a stable instead of pulling out back into a bank account. 
But you're going to realize that a lot of these valuations, and we're talking about TVL too, TVL is a number which can be really easily manipulated because you know it's sometimes measured in currencies. And if the currency loses 10% of its value, then the TVL will also drop 10, 10%, which could be millions of dollars. So you're going to see really interesting phenomenon where a lot of projects are going to bleed and it's just going to have such bigger implications in the ecosystem than you imagine. Like already you've got DeFi tokens trading at like pre-2020 levels, which is just insanity. You know, mm. Think about how far DeFi and NFTs have come and crypto adoption and use in general, and yet it's trading at a lower level than 2020. But people don't understand token emissions. People don't understand a lot of things which are really kind of beneficial to the space. So... Yeah, my advice is uh, dollar cost average in. Like just keep an eye on the markets. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, and you're probably never going to nail the top or the bottom. So uh, you might buy ETH at these prices and you think you're getting a great discount. And it It's going to really, drop more. Could drop more. Yeah. Could go up from here. Who's to say? No one really knows. No one has a crystal ball. There are no experts as well. And just because something's down 90% and you think you're getting a good deal doesn't mean it can't drop another 90%. I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of insecurity out there at the moment across the board. And if you're not experienced in your trading and we're talking proper experience, you're not going to do your your swings. You're not going to do leverage, stuff like that. Mm. If you're getting new into this, it's probably best just to watch at the moment. Just go back Sit into the, the blue sidelines. chips, rotate back into like yeah. ETH yeah. and Bitcoin and that's it. Hold, that's all you can do. Because no, no one yeah. knows what's – there was such a huge run-up and now like we – I mean, it's safe to say the three of us sitting here, we all know it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back. We have that belief. We know what it's about. We know everything that ties into this and how integral this will be in society. But a lot of these new people that came in, your mum and dad investors, they're going to get scared. And that's that money that comes in that lifts everything up. So I think if you're new to this, probably sit on the sidelines. Yeah, 100%. But Just watch. But get an NFT if you want to join a community, like still get involved, um, like... You know, I'm part of NFT Sydney. We hosted an event and, you know, education and all that kind of stuff too. So you can still get involved and learn stuff. I actually think bear markets are really good times to start buying because obviously everyone's not as crazy and obsessed about the markets as they were. But it's a better better entry point, you know. Like there's more authentic and legit people. There's less scam projects as well. And, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits to kind of buying in a bear market. So don't um, – definitely sit and watch from the sidelines but – I'd still have some involvement in the market uh, because you don't know when things are going to pick up again. It could be this year. It could be this month. It could be a couple of years away. You've just got to follow the markets, read and learn about it. And That's part things about crypto, up. man. Even if it's good, it's bad, it's ugly, whatever it is, you can't say it's not exciting. Oh, 100 There's never a boring <laughs> day in crypto. <laughs> it's just insane. So, all right. So, from there, we're going back to 2018, yeah? So, at this point, you've sold everything, Yeah. Are you not really like just selling down some of my yeah. stuff? Uh, but even like ETH, I just saw ETH crash to like single digits. It was just very scary. So um, I tried to make some swing trades with alts and they backfired. Um, so even though I was in 2017, it's like, you know, and I had some good Bitcoin holdings and stuff. Um, doesn't really mean anything when you're in these alts, which are losing 80 to 90% of, its, of, it, of their value compared to Bitcoin. So mm. getting smashed with alts, but at that point in time, I was speeding through my degree, trying to get that done over with as soon as possible. Uh, and basically, yeah, just kind of wanted to get a job and start earning some money and start putting it into crypto. So, so when, when did you graduate? 
I graduated 29. So I started uni in 2017. I graduated in 2019. So yeah, tried to get out of uni as soon as possible. You were doing summer semesters by the sound. Yeah, I was doing summer. (laughs) Man, that's dedication. Had to get out of there. We always say, guys, you got to respect the hustle. That's hustle hard. So you started working, you went straight into finance, right? Pretty much, but I was doing internships as well through uni as well. So that's when I got my job at JP Morgan because you got to balance the uni degree and the marks with also work experience. So... Mm -hmm. Got a job at JP Morgan, didn't mention anything about crypto at the time. Got another job with a startup as well and just seeing some crazy young people earning a lot of money you know, and just you know getting involved in that tech tech scene as well and learning about that. Um, and that whole time I was just, you know, maybe putting a little bit a little bit of money into crypto, but just watching the markets from a distance mostly. So you're still investing. Still in, so at this point, still investing, still but investing, working. Working, learning yeah. more about it. Um, didn't really get involved in the meetup space or meet anyone. So it was just all kind of, uh, you know, on my own and just online interactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. The space wasn't what it was like now. There's not people doing events and meetups and all this hype around, you know. No. Yes. And I think that's that's only really come about more mainstream. I mean, Luca, when did we start seeing it? Probably beginning of this year. Really? We started seeing it here, Sydney, everything. I mean, Bored Ape started doing all their stuff. Yeah, it was only with NFTs. When, April last year. Did, yeah. did 2021 bull run go like how you thought it would be? Like now looking at it from hindsight, did you see, you know, did you think NFTs were going to do what they do? Or oh, if you, you told me gonna... in 2018 it was ICO, so it was people using Ethereum to launch new tokens. Token, yes. That was the run. ICO run. I made some money on ICOs, mm-hmm. but then never cashed them out and saw them lose like 99% of its value. And we're seeing the same thing happen with NFTs now. But if you told me NFTs were going to be the 2021 bull run, I would have told you no way. You know what I mean? Like it's just so insane because NFTs existed back in 2018. I was very close to getting in on CryptoKitties at the time. Uh, They were just called ERC721 tokens. And CryptoKitties actually crashed the network, the Ethereum network. Didn't crash it, but like, you know, gas fees shot up and yeah, congested it. And everyone was complaining about gas fees from back then. And, um, yeah, you, I would have never, never guessed that it would have been uh, NFTs this bull run. And I don't know what it's going to be next bull run either. Like you, it could be GameFi. It could be DAOs. I thought DAOs were going to have a bigger run last year. Uh, they didn't really pick up. People don't care about governance too much. As long as other people make money for them, they're pretty happy with it. Yeah. They don't care too much about voting. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's see what happens. It could be some new token implementation that we don't even know or so niche at this point in time. So, just got to give it time and wait and see. Awesome. So when you were when you were working, you mm-hmm. said you were still investing. Are you at this point contemplating how to go full time with crypto, or what do you what are your thoughts like? No, so where's your head at while you're working? <laughs> um, still love for crypto. Still know that what's that's what I want to do, but I don't have the right skills to kind of make it in crypto. I'm not a coder. I'm not a developer, and that's what a lot of the jobs at the time were recruiting for. Right? That's mm-hmm. what they wanted. They want people who can build apps. They don't want some guy who's just a you know, just a kid who's a trader on the side, right, who, you know, hasn't made any real money yet. You know, I had the 2017 bull run, but that was kind of luck as well, to be honest. I was in the right place at the right time on the right forums and everything was going up. So Mm. it was kind of dumb luck, which made me money in that initial bull run. I will be honest with you. Like luck does play. Luck and timing do play a very important role. Of course. Um, So just dollar costing averaging and just buying slowly into Bitcoin and ETH and, uh, you know, just getting in on some alts as well, which I thought were solid and had stuck around, but we're still down 90%. So I saw good upside. Uh, and then when 2021 picked up and things just went crazy, um, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to quit my job. I didn't like what I was doing at the time. It wasn't what I had studied for. Um, they told me I would climb the ladder a lot quicker than I would. And it was just going to take me like five to 10 years to get back 
to that analyst role that I was doing previously. So that internship I had was like a little slice of heaven that I got a yeah. taste of. And everyone's How they like, sucked you in. Yeah, everyone's like, This oh, is what it could be. This, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, you can't expect to be CEO tomorrow and you've got to start at the bottom and work your way up. But I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm making more money doing my own trading. I'm enjoying it. This is a full-time job, you know. Uh, I was working from home too and slacking off a bit, you know, like just doing my own trading because it was too... It's too enticing, you know. You can't take your yeah. eyes off the market. It was a so. good life. It was a good <laughs> life. So I said, yeah. Yeah. Back, back to cooking French fries, huh? <laughs> we all got <laughs> those memes kill me. Yeah, um, Macca's memes. <laughs> yeah, never. Like I said, never worked for Macca's. Hopefully, we'll never have to work for Macca's. But yeah, quit my job and just told them, hey, crypto is where it's at. Like yeah. I'm making good money. It's new technology. So much stuff is going on. Like the markets are so volatile. This is what I've got to do. So I quit the job and like I said, I was making insane amounts of money relative to what I was at my kind of entry level finance job. Which by the way was just answering like phone calls and doing so this is end of twenty twenty, beginning of twenty one? Yeah, so I started uh, I worked for close to a year and a half at that same finance company that I was, but I was doing customer service. So phone calls, password oh, research. Yeah, and I was told that I was going to climb the ladder and I really under... Wait, really so you graduate, you got a finance degree and you go to this place and they put you on answering phones? Pretty much. And I, I was like... I forgot my neck code password. How many password. people worked? worked, worked <laughs> uh, there was a, it's a pretty big company. They're ASX listed. Yeah. Um, so they definitely got a presence and they're acquiring firms overseas in the US. But I just saw it as a dying model because the CEO of this company that I was working for actually came out and said, Bitcoin is a scam. And it's like, bro, it's like 2021 and you're still He's saying, still this saying stuff. that. Yeah, I'm like, you're missing out on this. And we're charging expensive fees and just in general, like I don't want to badmouth them too much because I definitely learned a lot from them, made some good connections, still have some friends there. That's all right. If they don't believe in crypto, they're not listening to our podcast. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're all good. So, um, <laughs> what, what did they actually teach you then? I'm interested to know. So well, I was answering phone calls. That's not what I got a degree in. I was studying oh, like, options and doing all this complicated investment analysis and stuff. And then on the phones doing password resets. I'm like, what did I get a degree for? What did I do all that stuff for? So a bit of a letdown, but I was, you know, I put my head down, did it. And like I said, I was earning money and I was putting it into crypto anyway. So when I you initially, too much. When you initially went mm. in as an analyst, how was that? Uh, the first, my internship as yes. an analyst, I learned so much. It was like the best three months of my life. I remember getting up after the first day of work and it didn't even feel like I had sat down all day oh, and worked. Awesome. So that was awesome. And I thought, yeah, I've worked there before. I can easily climb the way up and get there again. It was off the table. Oh, you got to do a CFA. Oh, you got to get this, this compliance certificate if you want to give that. And even when I was going for promotions, it was still like answering phone calls and oh, wow. doing that customer support. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm trading. I'm making my own money, yeah. doing my own research. This is what I want to do. I don't believe in waiting for your dreams to come true. So I quit my job and just got straight into it and it was so much more rewarding and so much more fun than uh, just sticking it out. So it, it was good having the consistent income, but honestly, I love trading and going on Twitter and just, you know having some fun with the boys and making some money. Uh, like during lockdowns, I was uh, you know doing you know phone calls, Zoom calls with my boys because we couldn't go out and have a drink and I'd load up Binance with some leverage. I'm like, yeah, let's have some fun. You know, let's yeah. trade some stuff. So... Yeah, it was a really interesting period, but I kind of became known as like the crypto guru or the crypto god, like between my circle of friends, because I'd been in it for the longest and had some good calls and yes, yeah, like shared some alpha. So um, I spent close to nine months, like pretty much trading crypto full time and I wouldn't take back a second of it. It was so much fun. Was it mainly meme coins or NFTs or? Yeah, mostly DeFi. So like I said, I regrettably got in on DeFi instead of NFTs and DeFi has kind of done a full retracement to like before the original DeFi summer of 2020. 
but yeah, like Uniswap tokens, uh, getting starting on some new obscure blockchains. Like I was in on Avalanche before the whole Avalanche rush kicked in. So yeah, just you know, tell me you held Avalanche during the rush. I did hold Avalanche during the rush, which good was good. Man. But um, yeah, it was just insane because at the time to get onboarded into Avalanche, you had to withdraw to a separate wallet, which wasn't your typical zero X format, and you had to bridge to a different chain. It was just quite intimidating. But I got in on some DeFi early on those chains, and it really paid off because you know. APRs were crazy at the time, but then once that bridge came out and everyone could easily come over to Avalanche, that's when things went really crazy. So, yeah, had some good, got in early on, even like BNB, like a lot of those shit coins I ended up getting rugged on, but it was just fun. It was just, a, you know, bought some really dumb tokens, but, you know, just had some fun along the way. And that always felt like play money too. It never felt it like gamble. I was putting... It was a gamble. Everyone knew it. Uh, you thought you were going to get on the next safe moon or whatever token. It never ended up being the case, but... Hey, it was a bit of fun along the way. So I still consider that valuable because, you know, you had experience with the MetaMask wallets and the approving trades and all that stuff. So really like cemented my knowledge of like DeFi and doing those trades through like decentralized exchanges like PancakeSwap. So it was a valuable learning experience. Learned a lot. And it's crazy. I don't hear ever hear anyone say like, and we've all had losses. I mean, I've got my losses and yeah, they sting a little bit, but I don't regret any of them. It's I, a learning. All my wins, it's all a journey. my losses. Yeah, it's, it's a journey. And you know what? I think you have to feel the pain. You can, you have to feel the pain, so you know not to go there anymore. And you know your risk, and you know, mm-hmm. it's just the market has a way of teaching you. That's exactly. what I think. And you have to learn very quickly in this. Yeah. <laughs> you don't make the, the same only mistake way to learn. twice. <laughs> I feel like there's a huge gap in the market for uh, education. So to teach people how to avoid rug pulls, how to read a smart contract. Uh, you know, if you get an airdrop, like not to interact with it because you know, very rarely do people give stuff out for free and it's actually got good intentions. So, uh, yeah, but honestly, I think all of us in this room and probably a lot of the listeners too had to learn the hard way. You know, you had to get rugged on those B&B shit coins. You had to, uh, you know, thankfully I never lost my seed phrase or anything like that, but a lot of people have deposited money and then just, you know, signed out of their computer and then come back in and they're like, oh, what was the password? Oh, I didn't write the seed phrase down cool, the money's gone, you know? So a lot of people learned the hard way in this space, but it also builds you up. It makes you value what you've made a bit more when it's that much harder to kind of hold on to what you've made. So mm. yeah, I wouldn't take back a second of it. Um, actually, maybe a few rugs that I'd, you know, turn back the clock on and not get in on. So so, so in 2021, right, mm-hmm. you've got Meme Run yep. and you've got NFTs blowing up. Mm. Did you get into any NFTs? Were you mainly still on Meme Run at this point? I minted a few ENS names, so I yeah. thought those were pretty cool. I got the airdrop for that too, which was also cool. Um, like I've gotten airdrops before, but that was one. Did you get was... in on the three-digit and the four-digit craze? No, I didn't. And Vitalik yeah, we slept on that one too. <laughs> Vitalik <laughs> himself, like if you actually follow him on Twitter, and I followed his wallet, I copied a few of his trades too. Uh, he makes very solid trades, uh, and stuff that he talks about in his blogs uh, ends up popping off and doing really well too. So he actually mentioned the three and four digit ENS names mm. and no one, uh, people just slept on it. People are like, who is this guy? What's he talking about? But yeah, missed out on the ENS names. I bought my own name as an ENS in order to use my, my branding because uh, years ago, my uncle kind of missed out on getting my surname as a .com and now it's going for thousands of dollars. So with the ENS, it's like now's your chance to get your own name, to get your own brand in. Uh, I've got a few in ENS, but like I said, people don't really trade ENS names that much it's more yeah. kind of a placeholder like if someone wanted to register them they're taken you know what I mean they probably won't buy it on the secondhand market not just yet uh, but that's kind of taken so you got to be careful with the ENS names too 
Uh, but they're two or three holds. Like I've registered them for a little while. So yeah, I think that's something you'll, you'll be holding long term. Mm. Yeah. Browsers are going to soon going to accept. Some of them already do. If you actually type in, uh, say, dgenaussieapes.eth, it'll actually take you to like a website equivalent. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be something that's going to be increasing. Well, I mean, we got into it. I remember Shaheen and I were sitting here one day and we bought it, and we simply bought it because it'd be so cool. Someone's like, they want to send you something, hmm. send it's it to send it to Yeah, yeah, that was fucking mad. Like when I got my Cyberkong, hmm. the QR code scanning that, yeah. seeing it registered to my wallet. Like, that, I think that, getting something very important, but like, um, like you you were saying with the website, like a dot com. Yeah, you get a dot e something important that you know is going to be used in a couple of years time. Oh, you can make definitely. some money on it. Like yeah, with, with Twitter verification too, and just you know, if someone's legit or authentic, you've just got their dot eth address to establish that layer of trust. Like a project, for example, you're like, mm, how do I know if this is the real, uh, whatever ape project? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. we are dot eth. So or official communication. You can even link data in your dot eth too, so you can have links to socials and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just really awesome and useful tool. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were in Meme Run as well. I was in the Meme Run. I got wrecked on a lot of meme coins, <laughs> but uh, the NFTs, like I said, I kind of came on board pretty late with the NFTs. I witnessed all of them go up. Um, I remember seeing a lot of memes about them and creating my own memes too, and just sharing them with mates about like Ether Rocks and all these other kind of stuff. Never thought to buy one, which was you know big mistake, Shame. but. Um, yeah, it's just funny, like, seeing... I remember when the Bored Apes flipped Bitcoin's price. Um, like, that was just insane. It was like, well, you know, how much higher is it going to go? Obviously, a lot higher was the answer. So, um, yeah, like, I just... I probably can talk more about the projects I've missed than the ones I've gotten in on. But uh, I did get in on one, which was pretty good. City Dow. Have you guys heard of that one? No, I haven't. Luca I, probably has. I haven't looked into it, but, yeah, I kind of heard... I don't know too much about so it. So there's 10,000 NFTs. And the only reason I minted one was because Vitalik minted one himself, followed his wallet, uh, saw someone else minting one too. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get one of those. Uh, 10,000 NFTs. And there's actually a parcel of land in Wyoming. And if you own that NFT, you actually get a vote in the DAO on how that land, what that land gets used for. So it's oh, really wow. awesome. So I just thought it was a really innovative, uh, you know, really innovative project. But Vitalik himself wrote a blog about crypto cities and he's talking about the future. Cities are going to be governed by NFTs and DAOs and all this kind of crazy stuff. Didn't really make sense for me at the time, but, you know, bought minted it for 0.25 ETH. Uh, it's still trading at a pretty, doing an airdrop soon. It's still trading at a pretty decent premium to like what I paid for it. But it went up to a few ETH at one point in time and it was crazy. So I know people who minted like dozens of them, which is crazy. But yeah, that's like a lot of faith to be minting those back then. That's a lot of faith. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Mm. So we're, we're all Ethereum bulls pretty much. Yeah. We love Ethereum. Um, we think it's got a lot of longevity, uh, a lot of innovation. What impact do you think Vitalik's made oh, in the it, world? It wouldn't be, without Vitalik, Ethereum wouldn't be what it is now. I've had mates who have actually met him in person. Just in general, like Ethereum has pioneered like ICOs, the ERC20 token. You know what I mean? Like all these other blockchains copy it. So like on Avalanche and BNB, it's like BEP20 and all that stuff. Yeah. All these blockchains, these competing L1s wouldn't exist without ETH to begin with. So ETH pioneered DeFi, pioneered like the algorithmic stablecoin, like with DAI basically and with Ampleforth and all this other kind of stuff. Pioneered NFTs, pioneered DAOs just led the way for everything to happen. So the entire ecosystem wouldn't look like what it does now without Ethereum and without Vitalik. So he's the powerhouse behind Ethereum. And Next question. Good. So what do you think about Charles Hoskinson? Oh, don't even get me started on Cardano. <laughs> 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 Why do people say it's a Ponzi? 
I wouldn't say it's a Ponzi, but the way Cardano is designed and set up, it kind of banks on people who don't know anything better about crypto. So um, I could tell, I made a lot of money on Cardano. Don't get me wrong. I got in at cents and I got out at dollars. So I'm pretty happy with that. But I can tell, you can tell who's like not authentic and not legit when you look at them. So I made money on the original bull run on Cardano. I actually flipped it for like a 2X overnight and I was so happy with it. I was like, fuck a nine to five, you know, I never need to work another job again if cryptos are doubling overnight. Uh, but just in general, it's, I, I think it f- kind of fulfills the term vaporwave because there's a lot of promises on being next-gen technology, a lot of mathematical research papers and, you know, all this lingo thrown out, but it can't really deliver. Like no one's using Cardano or these obscure kind of blockchains. Like Ripple can use smart contracts too. Who's building NFTs or launching or building anything on Ripple? Everyone's using ETH and that's become the, the zero X format has become, the EVM has become the format for everything else in this industry. So even Cardano, I think they finally, you know, decided to copy the EVM chain and undo like five or six years worth of development on the way that their blockchain and consensus mechanism works just to copy ETH because ETH is what everyone knows and understands and uses. Uh, But in general, like who's building, I actually looked into making an NFT on Cardano, which actually said fuck Charles Hoskinson to see if he would like delete it or something I, like I that. I actually bought one on Cardano. Really? Did you? I feel a bit dirty saying that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I've still got the Tyro, the, the what wallet what, what was it that you had to use? Because I was looking into it. You had to it, it wasn't Lazy Lions. It was Legendary Lions or something. Some derivative knockoff. Uh, Uroi Wallet. That's the one. I heard it incentivizes the validators just too much. It's just... It's just influencers like, need to, you know, there's a lot of influencers behind it as well. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, no, when I was looking rumors. into minting an NFT, you had to run your own Cardano node, which means you have to deposit like to Cardano and run a command line. I'm like, there's no way the average person is going to be able to go to this depth in order to create one. Like in order to, you know, get a, like MetaMask was so easy to download and install. I just didn't get that same ease of use with Cardano. Isn't it crazy how easy MetaMask is and how easy they made it on all these other chains? And then you got someone like Cardano who just made it so fucking hard. Yeah. But even the way Cardano is priced, it's like people think, oh, Cardano is $1, but it's going to be $100 in a year from now if it takes off like Ether. Like they don't understand how the tokenomics work. They don't mm. understand that the Cardano Foundation has like a huge supply too. And they haven't dumped on people, but it's just always looming over your head where you've got ETH. Yeah, you've got the ETH OGs who have made money, but you know it's not like they can, can just randomly unlock like billions of dollars of mm. ETH and just dump but it on the market. As, as high as ETH is, mm. I, I mean, now it isn't, but as high as it got to the peak, you always knew it could still go a lot further and there's still so much space and growth in that. Mm. And that's why we always come back to it as a safe bet, along with everything else that you mentioned. But if you're not into looking into tokenomics, you're not into the full mm. in-depth, down-dirty research those are the safe bets. 100%. And yeah. with Cardano, a lot of people were banking on it being next-gen technology, but it didn't even have smart contracts out. So I had mates who don't know anything about crypto buying Cardano, making money off Cardano. Oh, you know, it was 50 cents last week, now it's fifty. all that stuff. I'm like, cool, no one's building on this. No one's using this. No one's trend. Like there was no Cardano network. It was still just an ERC-20 token. Oh, smart contracts are coming out, all that kind of stuff. Even now there's all these uh, metrics which you can also fake about how many tens of millions of Cardano are being staked and how many unique addresses. A lot of it's just people who don't know any better um, who just hear these metrics and they don't do any research. They don't actually look into like, what's the Cardano block explorer? You know, are people actually transferring on it? Have any of you guys, you, you minted an NFT on it. How many people are using, when was that? Like how many, you know? This was probably 
September, November, September, uh, September yeah. Yeah. Have you done since then? No, dude, I, I looked <laughs> at it and that was it. And then I just got over it. I think it's somewhere in the wallet. I think I still got some Cardano sitting in one of the wallets. I just couldn't give a shit about the chain anymore or anything about that token. There you go. I've moved on. Exactly. And I think a lot of people just saw it as like the hype and the potential, but it just never yeah. came to fruition. So, yeah, not bullish on Cardano. I've made, I said fuck Charles Hoskinson in this podcast which is a pretty bold statement but i i stand by that too because he has a way of drumming up the hype and on the socials and getting everyone g'd up uh, and throwing out these complicated terminology and i'm the co-founder of ethereum and i wrote this research paper uh, but he doesn't understand utility he doesn't understand that you need people to actually use your platform in order for it to be successful so yeah thanks for the cardano question um <laughs> i've uh, uh one of the so kind of continuing from my story um I went through a recruiter and actually got a job in working in crypto VC. So working for a family office as their crypto and web three analyst. So that was like a dream come true. Cause it's like, you know what? I thought it was going to take me all these years to become an analyst and I was going to be analyzing shares. Uh, but now I'm a crypto analyst. So I thought I was at the top of the world. I was on a very nice salary. And yeah, I was like researching crypto every day, which was what I was doing on my own. But now I'm doing it for like a billionaire's family. So insanely awesome I actually wrote a huge detailed email because we met with these guys who were building a dex a decentralized exchange on cardano these russian guys who were a little bit shady um, and at the time i thought to myself you know why isn't anyone else built a dex on cardano so i asked them and they were talking about like network limitations and all this stuff uh, and then i wrote a huge detailed cut like report on cardano basically talking about how much i disliked it how it's basically vaporwave how no one uses it and there's no apps working on it and not even like a functioning DEX, you know? So huge email and they're like, yeah, we're going to pass on Cardano. So that was like very satisfying for me because... Yeah, because it's proof. Proof of what you do and what you deliver and they believe in you. 100%. What's going to rival Ethereum if it's not Cardano? Is it Polkadot? He was a co-founder of Ethereum as well. I like Polkadot. Yeah. Well, Vitalik actually said... A lot of VC uh, money behind it. Mm, which yeah, isn't 100%. a bad thing. Um, Vitalik, I think there were actually maybe like eight co-founders of ethereum at the time so a lot of them are still using that term like as kind of like a marketing term yes uh, vitalik actually really regrets that someone actually asked him what's your biggest regret and he said having so many co-founders because they've kind of used ethereum's brand to like build their own thing and a lot of them are clowns like charles hoskinson um <laughs> it really just depends i actually think so you really like this charles guy eh? oh he's my best mate <laughs> <laughs> Um, well it's, it's just a testimony. There was actually a website just on the Charles, just bashing Charles one final time. Um, Charles like <laughs> tweeting about Cardano. Oh, sorry. Charles tweeting about all these fancy like lunches and dinner and stuff that he was going on while Cardano's price tanked from like a dollar last bull market all the way down to like two or three cents. Jeez. So yeah, someone, and then the guy like sent him that website and it's like, Hey, you know, like why are you having all these fancy dinners while your tokens crashing? He just ended up blocking everyone. So yeah, he's got, a, he's got a bit of an ego on social media too. Uh, I've seen him get into a lot of fights and uh, I've heard some pretty nasty rumours about him, which I'm not going to share because I don't have official sources too. But yeah, um, not, not a huge fan of Cardano. I actually was almost going for a job at Cardano too at one point. So funny story, but that didn't eventuate. I thought it was going to change the world when I watched him on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is not the case so, so you ended up right i want to get this right you ended up having a billionaire family here here in australia yeah approaching you and saying you know what we want you to be our analyst for anything related to crypto mm -hmm. and then tell us what to buy 
pretty much. So one of the sons but of the... Is, is that not the coolest thing in the world? Am I there on tripping out? Someone comes to you and says, hey, I want you to spend all my money and do whatever you want on crypto. Especially so, when you consider you were self-taught? Self-taught, yeah. Wow. There's no, yeah. Unicor- there's no unicorns for crypto. Imagine Luke, yeah, I come I to you so, tomorrow yeah. and I'm like, here's $2 million. Go crazy. Buy whatever you want. Just make me some money. Oh, please tell, <laughs> t- tell us more. Oh. Tell us more. So how'd you go? So it actually wasn't what I was expecting, which was pretty unfortunate. So I thought, yeah, it's going to be really awesome. One of the so one of the billionaire's sons, specifically, he was I think it was one of the largest crypto punks holder at one time. He'd wow. gotten into ETH like dirt cheap. He was flying all over the world, setting up all these businesses, throwing money at stuff left, right, and center. I thought this is awesome. Like I want to be friends with this guy. You know, like this is amazing. The reality was it um, didn't end up being that way because he was really hard to get a hold of. So I was sending him messages and he's flying different time zones, meeting with different people. We even had a meeting with him and he was tuning in and out. Like it was, it was a Zoom meeting. I never actually saw his face. I spoke to him on the phone for like an hour, but I never actually had like a proper conversation with him. So I was like, man, I want to meet more with this guy. He's like co-founding all these projects. He's doing all this crazy stuff. Couldn't get a hold of him. So it was really hard to work with him directly. Uh, but there was a team here in Sydney. And then they ended up saying, hey, you know, just report to us in here in Sydney. Also, we are still kind of COVID, lockdowns. It wasn't really returned to office. But then I ended up kind of pitching these Web3 crypto ideas to someone who's never set up a Bitcoin wallet or a MetaMask or anything in their life. So I'm sending them all these ideas and investments and, you know, even giving ideas of my own about, oh, you know, this, this niche could be really cool. You could set up an idea here. Why should we acquire a project when we can kind of build our own one? And it just wasn't getting through to him. So there just really wasn't that communication. I was getting maybe one email or one message a day from that manager. Uh, and we just weren't on the same same wavelength. So he let me go. But I think I probably would have stepped down sooner or later too, just because it really wasn't working out. How long did that go for? Two months, basically. Oh, two months. So, Do you think they had you there more I got fired like... on my birthday. It was actually pretty sad. <laughs> I didn't tell them it was my birthday, but... Um, yeah, they let me go. Do you, do you think they had you there as like a, a credibility sort of thing so that when they were looking to acquire other startups or, or invest in other things, they could say, hey, look, we've got our own full-time analyst? Mm. I think that was the case, but it just wasn't done well because they invest primarily in like traditional like software businesses and you know Web2 kind of stuff. The guy they brought on after me was someone more specifically skilled with that stuff. So he had more experience than me in like the investment banking and all that kind of finance stuff where I like dropped out and started with crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's who they ended up going with. And like I said, nothing bad against them. I don't know if they'll listen to this podcast, probably not. Um, but yeah, just uh, it was a bit of a shame because I went into it with such high expectations. I met like the son of like a huge CEO in like Korea um i met a guy a year younger than me who's launching a 50 million dollar metaverse fund wow. so just these crazy people like in the u.s um i was getting like sent pitch decks and like investment proposals on these projects and it was up to me to like analyze they're asking me oh what do you think you know should we put two million dollars into this and i'm like fuck i don't know you know like you really have to like meet the people and people building like game projects I actually helped review a white paper draft for like a gaming guild. So I still did a really lot of awesome work. And I was there when they launched one of their tokens um, under one of the projects that they co-founded. So it was really valuable experience. I just wish we had better communication and it would go on a bit longer. But yeah, that was a pretty crazy time in my life. But getting that job and then losing it after two months was a bit of a bummer. Then the market started to take a hit. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my story with that investment kind of firm that I was working for. 
Dude, so when when was this? This was last year? This was last year leading up into this year. Um, but in the meantime... Oh, so this is very recent. Yeah, this is recent. So, um, yeah, I've been kind of out of a job since February this year, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, and uh, this is where things start to get really awesome. Uh, so I'd met a guy named Simo through a blockchain meetup. He was a, a metaverse architect, which was insane. A for, like, you know, formerly worked for Fendi, had really awesome experience. Uh, and at a Christmas Sorry, party. Sorry, for Fendi. For Fendi. Designer label. Mm-hmm. John, move, move your mic. A bit. Oh, move. Yep. So he, w- he was designing their stores, their outlets, or was he? Uh, he's from Italy. I don't actually know what he did for Fendi, but he's still repping the Fendi name. Um, but yeah, he's like, a, he's like a designer and like I said, a metaverse architect. So uh, I go to a blockchain meetup and there's a metaverse. This was in Sydney? This Sorry. was in Sydney, yeah. yep. Uh, it was like a Christmas party thing, but there's actually a gallery of NFTs of Pepe the Frog, basically. And these are OG NFTs, which are worth you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're the ones on Bitcoin? Yeah, they're the ones on Bitcoin, rare Pepe's. So yeah. just insane. <laughs> but like, I took note of this guy. I didn't really think much of him. And then uh, when I ended up bumping into him again, um, he invites me to like a Twitter space. He's running this thing called NFT Sydney. I say to him, you know, yeah. He's like, I said, let me know when you have a Twitter space. I'll join, we'll have a chat. After just one Twitter space chatting to him and the other co-founder, Carl, they want to bring me on board. So a couple of weeks pass and they get a call out of the blue. Hey man, we're running an event. We'd love to have your help. Uh, would you like to come on board? And I'm like, yes. And then before I know it, I'm part of the team. I'm helping organize. Like so This was the first event, the NFT one, the one that we went to, we right? Went to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I went to that. So before I know it, I'm the MC of this event. I'm organizing like food, like pizza. We had pizza sponsored by Pizza Dow, which is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, our catering, so for drinks, actually cancelled on us last minute. So I actually had to manually drive like a ute, you know, pick up the drinks and deliver them in person in Barangaroo for the event. Um, and just doing a lot of the, like a lot of the Twitter spaces and just really growing the socials and having that presence. So it was just insane because you know, I was meeting these really awesome connections and a lot of people that I met through Twitter in the NFT space um, who might have had like a PFP or that kind of stuff, I was meeting them in person. So really awesome for like building my network and my connections. And yeah, I've just met so many amazing people in the space through NFT Sydney, through that event. And it's it's been amazing. So that's Ooh. Brings it was us to this so present day. crazy for me when I was there that I was wearing a, um, a Cyberkongs jumper mm-hmm. and people would just come up to me and recognize me based off that and that would be it. And then we went to another event, mm. all right? Months later, the one that just happened recently, um, shout out to, to Rowdy, James Rowdy, Max Strategies, Daniel, they came up, the Melbourne boys. Um, awesome and then event. people were coming up to me and they were like, oh, you're one of the Kongs and you're a DJ and ape. Yeah, we saw you at the last one. I was like, so these guys met me and saw me the first time because of this this NFT, this jumper I was wearing, and then they remember me and suddenly they listen to our podcast. And I thought that's so cool. It's just cool that all this comes about and people, they're starting to really, they know these brands now. I think with the NFTs, it shows that you're actually invested in the space. Yeah. Like it's a quick way to know, okay, this bloke's actually invested in yeah. the space. So they come up to you and they want to see what you talk about, what you, you know, what's on your mind or how they can network or what Sucks you do you in, yeah, in <laughs> Web3. But look, it's a new it's a new way of um, networking, new way of crowdsourcing. It's, crypto's a game changer, definitely. Oh, 100%. It's, it's, yeah. it's man. It's Couldn't agree more. Like even just that event afterwards, like people coming up to you saying, oh, you're John from NFT Sydney. I tuned into your space. I'm so-and-so. <laughs> and then I'm like, who are you? Like, you know, I don't recognize them. Maybe they have their PFP as, you know, an ape or yeah. some other weird creature. 
Uh, but I recognize the voice and they're like, oh, we spoke in space like two months ago and I'm trying to think, I'm like, oh, is it rude if I say I don't remember you? But <laughs> I just chatted and spoke to so many people and it's like people just share so much alpha and so much value yeah, in this that, space. It's crazy how welcoming and open to sharing everyone is. Oh, 100%. Like if this were sort of any other economic forum, no one would be sharing. Exactly. It's, it's every man for himself. Yeah, Twitter spaces, like you've been on it, uh, Twitter space multiple times. Mm. Do you think... Um, it's it's completely taken over Clubhouse. You think? Oh, Clubhouse is like dead. I downloaded the app. I missed yeah. out on the initial rush, but I downloaded the app. It's dead. No one's really talking on there compared to Twitter Spaces because anyone at one point in time you needed six hundred followers to start a Twitter Space. Now there's like zero requirement, so we could literally be having this on a Twitter Space right now, which is insane. <laughs> Have people Q and A with the audience, bring people up to ask questions. You get all the reacts and emojis and stuff. So it's just insane, but just realizing like through nft through the spaces that i held through nft sydney that people want to share you can ask them questions you can learn and they do all of this for free pretty much every night like people want something to they want to tune into a space what do you think that is Is because they're incentivized like i mean if you're holding eth for example or bitcoin you're incentivized to educate people because you want adoption (laughs) i guess that's one way of looking at it a hundred percent but it's just like good community like you know, like I said, we had people tuning in like every night to our Twitter spaces. We ran them pretty much every yeah. night in the lead up to the to the event. So it was just cool to have a community. I think people just long for that sense of belonging to be part yes. of something. Mm. That's really a huge aspect of it. And like I had people, you know, who I'd heard the voices of come up to me and I recognized them and some I didn't recognize. But just in general, it was a really good vibe. Like if you go on NFT Melbourne space, shout out to those guys. Those guys are nuts with... I went to one of their events last weekend. Mm. These boys know how to pop it off. They do every. It was just insane. Good event. We got to go. We got to go again. Like we have to go again. We'll fly down. We'll go. It's just a good time. And I mean, it's look. Right. We we've we've all come together and we're all in this space and we love it. If I didn't know you boys, outside of this, a lot of my other friends aren't into NFTs. Don't know that. So. Like you said, being able to come to this space, go to those things and have people to talk to it about, it's, I mean, you talk to a majority of people out there mm. and outside of our circle that we have now, you talk to your, your IRL, your in real life friends, mm. most of them don't have a clue what you're talking about. So it's, it's really nice to go to 100%. this space and you've got like-minded people, you're all there, you're having a laugh. I mean, they, the, the Melbourne one, they had DJs, they rented out this space, it was non-stop drinks. Sydney one we went to again, sick DJ, rooftop bar, drinks. Like but I think I think that's all. It's also really important is we actually had someone uh, write a blog post about NFT Sydney, and she had never bought an NFT before, and she thought it was going to be really cocky, uh, uptight, like you know, just this very specific idea she had in like kind of tech bro kind of culture. Nah, anything but. Yeah, exactly. And then she's like, I was blown away. They had such good discussion. The speakers were really cool. The NFTs on. It was just like she was completely blown away. And that's what I think will drive adoption too because it's like not blockchain, which is kind of boring and tech intensive and all that it, kind of stuff. So do you think it's got a too hard stigma? <sighs> they don't want to know the technical side of it. Yeah, no, not even I mean? the technical side. But you say to someone like I, I've said to so many people, all right, so you want to buy one, create an OpenSea account, get a MetaMask wallet. And straight away, what, what, what? And they're already put off. I'm like, no, no, relax. Yeah, the on-ramps. OpenSea takes two yeah, seconds. Now you can buy NFTs with credit cards, like yeah, a few exactly. people yeah. doing that. So it's becoming increasingly easier. But I think people like aren't going to buy an NFT because of the art, first and foremost. I don't think they're going to buy because of the investment. I think they're going to buy because they see these events that people hold and they're like, I want to be part of that. These guys are cool. Everyone, like really good vibes. I want to be friends and 
get me in on this stuff. You know, it's what little I mean? communities. Yeah. It's just communities. 100%. Community and building. If you push, if you push your NFT or you push your crypto, or if you like, kind of praise and talk about it like it's some kind of religion, and you know, you're a big like I've met BTC maxis and get stuck. In <laughs> They're a, a different breed. They're a different breed. You get stuck in a conversation with them, and you can't escape. Like that's not how you get someone to buy Bitcoin. You know, you you kind of invite them into the community. You let them see for themselves, and you incentivize them to kind of take part. So. Yeah, that was really, really eye-opening for me. Like with our events, seeing the feedback and the response, people asking us on the day, when are you running the next one? Burnt out, you know what I mean? And people asking, we want to volunteer and help out with the next one. So just amazing community support. And yeah, honestly, so so keen for whatever comes next. Sweet. So run us through last last month, last two months. What's, what's the average week for you now? What are you spending your time on day to day? Like here? How much you're trading? Has their life changed a lot for you? So just run us through an average day for John. Nice. So um, I wake up very late because I stay up late as well. So American markets, is that what you're waiting for? Or? I just feel like Twitter's really good at like 1am and it's hard to, hard to log off. Yeah, because everyone's waking up in the US and uh, yeah, I usually do stay open, stay up for the US open and see you know, what the markets are at. Uh, Bitcoin started to really follow what the tech, tech stocks are doing too. So uh, it's good to kind of keep an eye on that too. Uh, but wake up usually around 10 30 11 in the morning like i said my parents and my family think i'm some bum you know what i mean for waking up that late my dad's like oh i wake up at 4 a.m what's wrong with you so um yeah because he's watching what time our market's open <laughs> he's catching the end of the american market it's different but because they don't realize twitter and crypto are 24 7 yeah exactly 24 7 it's there's no close to this market and that's kind of stressful at the start you got to learn to separate i'm and still away. stressed out too you know like it's 24 7 there's always something going down on twitter mm. you can miss like one or two days of crypto action and terror has collapsed or something huge <laughs> you know, something massive has happened you know what i mean so you got to Imagine you're like, oh, I'm not going to check my portfolio for a week. My Luna's going to be okay. Like, you just really don't know in this what market. What about you if know? you staked it? Oh, Shit. forget it's, about it's it. It's an emotional space. Yeah. yeah. Crypto markets, it is insane. And something always big is happening. Uh, like, we are talking about Rekt News before and all these DeFi exploits that are happening. Like, mm. millions of dollars are getting lost in hacks and exploits. And I even shared in a group chat, um, Kane Warwick, the, co- the founder of Synthetics, I accidentally burnt 10 million DAI, which is like 10 million US... US dollar stable coin basically. He had multiple tabs open. There were like 20 transactions in a row and he accidentally burnt it. Like, that's insanity. Like, which other market can you light $10 million on fire and like basically never get it back? So, wow, that yeah. is insane. Dude, that's messed up. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's can't worse make than Terra Luna collapses. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, that's the argument, eh, for centralized versus decentralized. It's like, how decentralized do you want to go? Yeah. Well, I think you it's. Can't make a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think once there's been so many hacks and exploits in DeFi and crypto, it's like only when people lose their money are they like, yeah, I want centralization back. Yes. You know, I want someone to flip the switch and load my balance up again and everything's all good. So, um, so true. But yeah, but I mean, that's the game we play, right? 100%. So we won't have it any other way. So yeah, yeah. wake up 11 a.m., uh, check the markets first thing in the morning. Also, the last thing I check before I go to bed. Uh, and then just spend a lot of time just kind of floating through Twitter. I've got a few bots that I check to see kind of big whale trades as well to see what people are buying or selling. NFT trades or? Um, more DeFi trades. So uh, these two bots that I follow, uh, one's on Twitter, a few on Telegram. One's called DeFi Sniper. Another one's called Whales DeFi. Just seeing if there's been any big volume, like buy or sells. Uh, usually it's whales just trading between, you know, maybe you know, one stable coin to another to earn yields and do stuff. 
but I'll do a bit of on-chain. I'm an on-chain detective, so I really like going through the transactions and seeing what people are buying. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe on some of my smaller cap tokens, I'm checking to see if there's been any volume, any big buys that haven't really triggered the price. Um, so yeah, just checking my portfolio. Um, trading, what I've been doing recently is trading um, trading my losses as well. So maybe something is, uh, maybe I own 400 tokens or something today. I'll sell it, wait for it to dip, and then buy 450 tokens. So when it pumps mm. again, I've got a bit more of those holdings. Uh, so I've done that in a few cases. I've managed to double or triple my holdings. So even if they're at a loss, I've lowered my entry point. So I can get, so when it pumps, maybe only 20 or 30% on break even instead of a 2 or 3x. Is that yeah. going to be your main strategy, you know, if we continue in the bear market? Pretty much. So it's, um, it's a bit hard. Sometimes I just sell stuff when it pumps because I know it will come crashing down again and I can get in at a cheaper price. Uh, but honestly, probably sticking to Bitcoin and ETH um, and stable coins would probably be a safer bet in this market. Like, So you're just accumulating? Pretty much accumulating. I don't really have any cash kind of coming in to like buy the dip, to slope the dip, as they say. So yeah. uh, like I said, looking for jobs, waiting for the right thing to come along. Maybe something again as an analyst, I'll do it right this time, you know, analyzing projects because I'm analyzing the space every day. Um, I'm also learning a little bit of coding on the side too. So like Python and Solidity, so I can actually read the smart contracts. But yeah, just kind of staying on top of the markets. It's still a 24-7 commitment, even in this current climate. Always something new and exciting around the corner. But yeah, mm. just meeting a lot of people too because those connections, like sometimes I might just have a catch-up or a meeting with someone I met through LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, we'll just share alpha. We'll just befriend each other and we'll see what happens. So just always staying busy, always in meetings and calls and Twitter spaces, <laughs> um, which doesn't really make sense because I don't really you know, yeah. do my own trading. But you just got to listen in and see what happens. Yeah, it's good to be on the like on the cusp of it to know what the latest is in the space because it changes so fast. Hundred percent, fastest changing landscape ever. That's what I love about it too. Isn't it insane? Yes. Like I, I always say, and we we sit and always reminisce about this. I got really into this mid to end of last year. You guys were in it beginning of last year, and I feel like I've already been in it for ten years. Yeah, God knows how long yeah. you Crypto. feel like it. Now oh, you no. got in it in twenty seventeen. It must feel like this is your whole life and all you've ever known. Do you sometimes wish you never went in? <laughs> well, it's like the market never sleeps too, which is like the painful thing. So like I've used to have price alerts on my phone when Bitcoin or ETH would drop. It just became too stressful. Like I remember being at like a frat party kind of thing. That's and torture. Then, and then yeah, ETH was like tanking like thirty percent in one day, and I'm oh. like, I snuck out. I had to load up on some ETH because it was dropping. But it's like. Just this constant stress. I've learned to let go a little bit now. Mm. I think the volatility has come down too, which is also nice. But man, it's aged. I still look pretty young, but it's aged me like no yeah. tomorrow. Just that 24-7. Like you could wake up and make a lot of money more than your monthly salary. You could wake up and it's all gone, you know, like it's it's insane. Isn't it just crazy how it consumes you? But the weird part is you, you yeah. don't mind it consuming you, like you enjoy it. It's, it's like come, come. It's such an interesting space and it's growing so fast. Have you seen like um, how the Americans, the 12-hour chart on Bitcoin, for example, you see the Asians waking up and buying and yeah. the Americans dumping. It's been happening yeah. <laughs> for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny as well? When you try and spot a pattern, you're like, oh, it dumps every... I remember it was dumping like every Sunday night, like the entire market uh, was just dumping on Sunday nights, Monday morning. And it's like, well... You know, why don't you just sell and buy back in because then it pumps later in the week. So Leverage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I stay away from leverage. I know some people who have like got severely wrecked from leverage. So I don't uh, I don't think you should invest more than you're willing to lose. And leverage yeah. is like a the fact that you can make one trade that wipes out your entire portfolio is just nuts. That's nice. why you use a separate Dangerous. trading wallet for leverage and you only put in a minimum amount. Oh. Yeah, you can go yeah. 
just put a small amount in you can leverage trade yeah. but don't go too crazy I like, like a 5 7x <laughs> oh, yeah. even even then like i like the, i've done 100x <laughs> what that's yeah. true dude i'm, I'm trying to out. sign up no i'm trying no i won on that one but you did qcoin oh, wow. qcoin does risk yeah. shit yeah qcoin yeah, is insane qcoin cuts you out but you don't need a kyc for qcoin no you don't so the max they'll have the most i've seen on some of them is 100x on proper respectable coins it's 20x Wow. Right. Yeah. So the most I could leverage on Solana was, is, I think. Isn't that years. the problem with this space as well, with crypto? Because you get liquidated just instantly. So, so volatile. Yeah. There's no margin. But I mean, if you were smart enough to short Luna, you were never getting liquidated. And lucky for me, that's the one I started <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, but how? Like, <laughs> yeah, no. One in, one it's, in a, it's a one in a, even more than that. But 100%. But with, with just with that, like leverage as well, um, I don't know whether Bitcoin's going to go up or down by 20 or $30 in the next hour or so, but I know where it's going to be in five and 10 years. And I know where Ethereum is going. So if you take that long-term approach, that's another advice I'd give to people mm. in the space. Zoom out, enjoy the ride. You've got plenty of time I before suppose it, it all depends up. on what sort of trader you are as well, right? I, I like to, even Best. being young and, you know, having yeah. that degen in me, I still think it's a good idea to take a deep breath, to close your laptop and your phone. Don't check the prices for a little bit. Because mm. Bitcoin and ETH, they're still going to be around tomorrow. Even if the price tanks, this technology is here to stay. So you just got to take a long-term approach and don't get too greedy and don't panic too much when stuff crashes because yeah. there will be another bull market. Not everything will pick up, but there'll be new opportunities well, to get It's in. funny you say that because I know some people who for the last year, two years, it's just been quite simple for them. I don't look at it every day. All I know is if I make... $1,000 a week um, and then I'll pay everything I need to pay, whatever's left, I'm going to put 20% of that into crypto mm. and I'm just going to put it into the stable ones like you said. And that's all they've been Your consistently doing. Account, yeah. Pretty yeah. much. And yeah. And, and then you you've got DGN the DGENs like us. <laughs> nah. Yep. This NFT, let's buy. I mean, we got here and I, I was pulling up to the gate and I go to Shaheen, open up. He goes, one second, biggest DGEN comment out. One second, my phone's about to die and I've got to buy this NFT first. <laughs> I didn't manage to purchase mine <laughs> so, so I was waiting at the gate Thank God someone let me in It's at what now? It's It's gone up 0.129 There we have a Shaheen God, with the calls Godly Legion In my internet's not working I wasn't able to purchase one no, Your internet doesn't work any, you, I reckon Vodafone. your phone's tapped That's it, it someone, is, someone, uh, Someone's in on your crypto trades I'm pretty convinced it's tapped Do you it hear like does so many weird things background? now yeah. So many weird things Alright <laughs> Someone's trying to stop you from getting those DJ games. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it's probably a good thing. So, so John, we always like to end with um, what are you most excited for upcoming and what do you think people should be on the lookout for? Again, not financial advice, but from yeah. your perspective and just, just a little nugget for the people listening. So what I'm excited for is looking at getting a job in the crypto industry because that's where the real opportunities lie. Building your network, building your skill set, meeting new people like i wouldn't have met any of you guys if it wasn't for nft sydney you know what yeah. i mean like you guys came to the event i didn't even get a chance to see you then i heard from someone else oh those dgen aussie apes guys are really legit yeah. that's how i get to got to know you you know what i mean so you know sometimes just sending a message or reaching out to people in the space can pay huge dividends you know what i mean uh, and that's what i noticed as well so working in the industry and just meeting people that's where you get the alpha um, you're not going to find it in isolation you know like i said i spent years trading on my own just from online forums meeting people in person and getting to know them is where mm. you get the real alpha i like the connections and the friendships and the insights you get along the way so definitely recommend working in this industry if possible because like i said you're getting those hands-on skills 
And like with Clement, you might be working for the next immutable. You just don't know it yet. So yeah, if you love so. crypto like I do and you follow the markets every day, try and get a job there. You know, like there's a few, a few of the job opportunities have shriveled up because of the bear market, but there's still plenty of places hiring and I'll probably get a job in crypto in the next couple of weeks. So really keen for that. Um, at the same time, what am I excited and looking forward to? Uh, ETH 2.0. And obviously it's going to be rolled out in phases and it's, you know, we're not going to get some of these crazy upgrades until, you know, a couple of years later. But honestly, I think ETH and the stuff that it's doing in terms of DeFi's and NFT, uh, DeFi and NFTs and DAOs um, and L2s is just insane. So highly recommend if you missed out on the initial ETH run, get in on it now, maybe grab some NFTs and join some sick communities and uh, just have fun with it. You know, like gas has come down so you can finally afford to use some, you know, dApps and play around with some new technologies. Like you don't know what's going to do a, a crazy airdrop and maybe bridge to a new L2 and play around with it. Just have some fun in the space, you know, like use it as a tool, not as an investment. I think that's really uh, slept on in the space. It's yeah. going to be a new world. It's going to be a digital world. 100%. You might oh, as well get, get used to it from now, you know, learn as much as you can, play around with it. Just one more question. Um, how far do you think the metaverse is away? Oh, that's, that's a big that's one. That's a tough one. Probably or, further away than ETH like 2.0, that's for sure. Say like a social metaverse, because I honestly think um, Mark Zuckerberg, mm. I know everyone hates him in the space, but Meta is probably going to be the first one that's going to bring out, um, you know, the standard of social media metaverse because they're spending like $15 billion a year on AR VR, they say you need the tools so you can go into this metaverse and feel 100%. part and of it. And the tech is not there. That's the most important yes. thing. So uh, I tried to play. I went into Decentraland once, like early last year. My hard, my computer was going to like, you know, shit itself basically. Even laptops as well. I've had laptops like blue, give me the blue screen of death when I've logged into these metaverses because it's so resource intensive. So we don't even have the hardware there yet, let alone the software. So mm-hmm. There's metaverses you can access from your phones. It like really like fry your phone if you leave it on too long. So I think the hardware has to catch up too and computers need to become more powerful so that you can sign in anywhere, anytime and just have a good experience with the metaverse because every experience I've had so far has been like very slow, very laggy. The tech is just not there yet. Uh, in terms of social metaverses, um, like you said, Facebook is playing a really, as much as I dislike Facebook, I have a Facebook account with like six friends because, you know, I like to keep a low profile not a huge fan of Zuck and spying on everyone and getting all their insights and data. But I don't think Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse with its 50% NFT royalty tax or whatever he wants to it's do. Not laugh. Like That's insane. People are going to resort to these decentralized systems. Like there's v- virtually zero incentives to build on, you know, meta or whatever they're going to call their metaverse in the future. They couldn't even launch a cryptocurrency properly with, yeah. with uh, Libra, which I think now is called DM or something like that. Uh, that was a big deal at the time too and it kind of fizzled into obscurity. So we'll get a metaverse run, but like I said, the tech needs to catch up. You need more building in the space, uh, but we're going to see maybe only a couple metaverses in the future survive. So every NFT project which is launching its own metaverse, not necessary. You know, it's really expensive to maintain and you know, you've got all this land. There's a whole thing where all this NFT land was going to be worth something in the future. Um Probably going to have only have four or five main metaverses and maybe bridges between different metaverses in the future. Won't be other side, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's see. Um, <laughs> <that was a laughs> yeah, who <laughs> knows? It's one. so interesting to see what... It's, I'm so curious to know in like a couple of years' time or three, four years' time what metaverse, you know, we could turn around and say, oh, Sandbox made it, you know? Do you uh, reckon Sandbox will make it? I think they've carried on for way too long now and everyone's lost. See, that's the thing. This market it's moves Minecraft, and changes so I mean, quickly. It's got to be... 
If you're not relevant and you're not always at the forefront. To be honest, I think it has to be a game changer. It has to be something that's immersive, something that you can use um, AR, put your glasses on and walk around into that, you know, um, augmented reality metaverse where you have different ads and, you know, there's so many things, so many possibilities, but yeah, it's it's far, far away. It's not just there yet. And I think honestly meeting in person and doing these in real life events is just... tops the metaverse any day of the week like 10 15 years everyone can be plugged in with their headsets but if you boys are still around i'll be here recording content you know having a good time so brother we're it. not going anywhere <laughs> we're dgen apes and I we're staying it. that way i think that's Man. a good, good way to end on you know just kind of come full circle but yeah thanks but, uh, for having me on Sh- boys shaheen we loved we, it man we, we just get it. a Thank quick you. update when uh, when's the studio and everything happening when are we getting the big revamp? You want to give him a bit of a, a bit of a sneak surprise? Yeah, man, big things happening. You know, the painting's nearly done here. We're going to get the doors wrapped, all the doors downstairs. Board APO Club, OK Bears, yeah. Cyber Kongs. We'll be holding a pretty exclusive event on this side of the hood when time comes. But keep an eye on the YouTube channel. Are you going to do your famous barbecues? Oh, you know what? Even more exclusive, my friend. Oh, wait and see. Wait go. and see. This will put us on the map. So. Um, but yeah, just we'll keep you posted on the uh, YouTube channels and we'll go from there. Hectic. So there you have it, John. Man, this this means you've got to come back. Oh, 100%. I was here last week. I'll be here again <laughs> next week. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for having me on. No, nah, man, that was an awesome chat. That Charles was... Hoskinson wants me dead now. <laughs> I didn't He's on, on your Twitter, Twitter right now. you got a direct message from him. <laughs> that dot of spit. bottom lip will just be... <laughs> Imagine the size of it right now. And i got to go look him up after this. So there you have it, guys and girls. We're here with the man, John. Check him out. He's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. He's at all the NFT Sydney events as well, as we all are. Shout out to the NFT Sydney crew. Shout out to NFT Melbourne. Those boys, they really put it on. If you're listening to our podcast, do yourself a favor. Get down to the next one. We'll all be there. Check us out. As always, DJ and Aussie Apes. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram on youtube we'll be up there as always guys and girls out there in crypto land stay safe and enjoy